Welcome back to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager, joined by Johan Bernil to take a look at stage five of this year's Tour de France, which it's I, it feels like we're we're two weeks deep into a tour, and this is only stage five. But if you haven't watched today's stage yet, and you want to watch it and listen to this later, I don't know because it was uh, it was a shakeup today. It was an incredible stage, and we'll get into all the details of that and Johan's take of it, not just on the individual players, but the team tactics, which is I always find very very interesting. We'll get to that in just a second, but first. I want to tell you about a couple offers from our partners. Today's show is brought to you by Ventum Bikes. Of course, you've heard about the new GS1, the gravel bike. They just revamped it. Um, I actually just got one of those a few weeks ago. I'm sorry, a few months ago. Been having a blast with it. It is so much fun. It's a different ride. It's it's just a cool thing. You can go different places and do different things you just couldn't do on your NS1. What's really incredible and miraculous to me is that you can get into this GS1 for just $29.99, just under three grand, starting with the SRAM Apex AXS. You're on the road for three grand on the exact same frame, if that it might be a $15,000 version of the bike. Uh, it's really, really cool. And their website is just so great at helping you do the build out. Um, there's a lot of helpful things to help you pick the right geometry, the right size. Like I'm on a medium, I was somewhere between a medium and a medium large. And then when you start plugging in all your info from an old bike fit or whatever info you have, you go, Oh, okay. I'm on, I'm a medium large. I need this length of stem. I need, I like this length of crank. I want this wheel upgrade or not this set of components. And it's really fun to play with it. Uh, just do the whole build out on your bike on their site. And uh, you can get 10% off your bike when you use this code. W-E-D-U. Use the code we do at checkout at VentumRacing.com slash the move. And keep paying attention during this tour. We're doing the trivia every day. Every time you submit a right answer via email, they draw a winner from that each day. And those names go into the final drawing for a brand new NS1. Again, 10% off when you use the code we do at checkout, VentumRacing.com slash the move. Today's show is also brought to you by HVMN. They're the creators of Ketone IQ. Uh, I know we've talked and I mean, we've been talking about Ketones IQ for a few years now, and we always seem to talk about the physical benefits, having another fuel source uh, when you're out riding, racing, doing whatever you do. What I became particularly interested in uh, with Ketones IQ is the uh, mental effect. And so I've been taking a daily shot for two to three months now. And uh, they actually have the science to, to show you that the clean fuel can cross the blood-brain barrier. It gives your brain uh, sustained energy, mental focus, and sharpness. And I can attest to that. I definitely have felt more alert, more total confession. Haven't been on any ADD medication for three or four months now. So, and doing all right getting by. And I do have a ketone IQ to credit for a lot of that support. I obviously needed. They're now available in Sprouts. If you want to pick it up locally, and if you have a Sprouts uh, somewhere in the US, you can just grab them there. Or you can do a subscription uh, online to have them sent regularly, which I would recommend. Try it for two, three months for sure. Uh, and you can save 30% on your first subscription order to ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. 
Okay, Johan, I'm dying to hear your take on everything that went down today. It was very exciting. Let's uh, let's start with uh, talking about t- today's stage overall, and then we'll jump right into the uh, the details of of Jai Hindley. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's it, it, the expectation was that there was going to be a, an, an attempt for a breakaway. Um, the first part of the stage was quite easy, so that's always a tricky part of a mountain stage when the beginning is easy you know you don't necessarily need to be a strong climber to be in the breakaway so it's very difficult to control for a team that uh that needs to control the race or wants to control the race so um surprisingly we saw a very very big group 32 riders going away um you know so if there's only one team if there's only one team controlling and there's no help. That's that's a big group. That's a really big group. Now, you know, I, I understand what, what happened probably in their minds at the beginning. They said, okay, it's a big group, but it's going to split anyway. So, you know, at the end, we're only going to have to control four or five guys. That's true. That, that, that could work. But, you know, in this case, having a guy like Jay Hindley in that breakaway, um, that was definitely uh, a mistake of uh of uae in the beginning uh and i i would say during the whole stage actually because um you know they were the only ones who who took control of the race um they yes they did have the yellow jersey but you know there's obviously other guys who want to win the tour so i um i was a bit surprised that they were just so generous uh in in just going to the front and and it's also true that they controlled this group with only two riders, the two the two guys that that are used to they they are, they they took to the tour for the flats, you know, the two Scandinavians, uh, Mikkel Bjerg and uh, Langen, but but still, you know, uh, they had one guy in the front, Mark Soler. They had to call him back, and um, I was expecting to see some kind of gamble. Uh, I don't know if. Uh, probably not. So probably they haven't talked to Jumbo Visma because Jumbo Visma had three riders in the breakaway at Van Aert and Benoit and Laporte. Um, but obviously none of those three is going to win the Tour de France for Jumbo Visma. So, um, so yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was surprised to see such a big group and, uh, and especially, um, I was surprised to see that they just went to the front and just assumed the responsibility of the stage didn't look back and just did what they thought was the best to do. Um, I think there's other ways around this, you know, and sometimes you have to be able to gamble or willing to gamble or playing a little bit of poker or putting your poker face on, you know, Um, because 32 riders is a big group to control with one team and with two guys. There's no way you can keep that under control. So, I would I would have thought you know like, okay let's you know we 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 ride we don't we see there's nobody else coming to help us so at some point we say okay you know what we'll just you know we'll just let it go you know we're we're not gonna chase by ourselves uh, I can guarantee you if they would have given that break two or three more minutes that Jumbo Visma would have come with two riders to uh, to help. Because they want to win the two. I mean, today, even if they have three guys in the front, if this break takes two or three more minutes, they could have lost the tour. 
You know, let's not underestimate Jay Hindley and there's and the other riders. You know, there's 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 Giulio Ciccone who has been top five already in the Giro, and there's you know there's other strong riders. There was other strong riders there, and so um, I think I think personally that UAE made a big mistake. Hmm. Uh, I think they made a big mistake by just assuming that they were in charge by themselves, um, and and uh, that they were not able to create some kind of situation where they forced the other team who's their big rival to come in and help even if they didn't want to at the beginning but there was no way that Jumbo Visma would have let this group have gone two or three more minutes with a guy like Jay Hindley in there so they would have put Nathan Van Hoydonk uh, and, and and probably another guy maybe Van Barle together with the other two guys and they would have kept it under control so uh, you know it, at the end of the stage, you know, it wouldn't have changed that much because it basically came down to a battle between Jonas Vingegaard and, and Pogacar and, and Vingegaard had the upper hand. But in terms of steam strategy, I think it was, they, they made a mistake. Um, they just, I don't know if it's just too much confidence. Um, more, 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 most likely Jumbo Visma is, you know, they know how strong Vingegaard is. They have the numbers. And they know damn well that it's almost impossible to go any faster than that. And, and so I, I think if, if I would be UAE, I would, I would not so easily assume that Pogacar, of course, he is a great rider. But let's not forget, you know, he, he had a far from ideal lead up to the Tour. And so it's only logical that uh, he's a bit behind. And um, whenever... Jumbo Visma and Jonas Vingegaard sees the opportunity. They're going to try to hit him early in the stage, or early in the in the tour. Which happened yeah, let me let me remind people that if you didn't, I think it was when we were wrapping up our our Dauphiné <laughs> coverage. You, you said this. You said uh, a a real scenario that we could see play out in the tour is for uh, Vingegaard to hit Pugacar early on because he has didn't hasn't had as much racing, mm-hmm. so he needs to hit him in the first week. And that's what we saw today, you know, stage yeah. five, he hit him hard. Uh, and so maybe what you had predicted is, is what's going on here. It's, but you also said he needs, he needs to hit him in the first week because Pogacar will strengthen as the tour continues. Do you still think that? That's a possibility. I mean, I, I think, listen, Pogacar's far from out, right? I mean, he's a, he's a warrior. He's a top class rider. He won the tour twice. Uh, I personally think, and I, I already thought this in the Dauphiné, when I saw how good Vingegaard was and how fast he was going up the climbs, I said, you know, this is this is not just, this is not the Jonas Vingegaard from last year. He's way better than last year. Way better. Plus he has more confidence, plus his team has full confidence in him. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be a really hard guy to beat. Yeah, and in fact, I, I think you've got some information on his numbers climbing today. Mm-hmm. That that's just proof of like the level, the level yeah. that he's at compared to everybody else. Yeah, you know, the Marie Blanc is the, the the last climb. You know, it's 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 a climb that is well known. Everybody knows that climb. There's obviously it was there was a KOM. The KOM was we talked about it yesterday from 2020. Was Pogacar and Roglic? I think together they they, they crossed the finish. They, they crossed the top um, in stage nine. Um, so since then, I don't think the tour has gone back there. So 
uh, probably other races, but no one would have been at the level of those big champions. Uh, so Pogacar had the KOM right on on this uh, on this climb. He was in a shape back then that was good enough to win the Tour against Roglic. Now today, Jonas Vingegaard on that seven-kilometer climb went one and a half minute faster. So twenty-one minutes, and so he he went one and a half minute faster. That's massive. Wow. Uh, and and you know on the. On the last three and a half kilometers, which is the steepest part, he went one minute eight seconds faster than than Pogacar three years ago. I mean, if to 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 give to give an idea, you know, he did a, around twenty one minutes over the whole climb, and uh, he produced six point ninety two watts per kilo over twenty one minutes. That's just, I mean, nobody can go faster. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nobody can go faster. And uh, so Vingegaard is definitely, you know, ready. He's on a different level. Um, doesn't mean he's going to have, have this kind of condition every day, right? But And, and you've got to stay safe, you know. You have to stay safe. You can't make any mistakes. Uh, I think it's, be- it's especially going to be now, he did lose a minute, so uh, uh, with, with the bonifications, Deducted, what is it, 47 seconds now, 48 seconds? But more than that, it's, I think it's the mental blow. You know, Pogacar, you know, can say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm going to fight back. Of course he will. But the mental disappointment and then the mental boost that Vingegaard got and Jumbo Visma got must be incredible, you know? So we'll see. We'll see what happens from now on. Plus, add to that, that now they have Jay Hindley in the in the yellow jersey they have a pretty good team to defend the jersey so Jumbo Visma is in a great position and still they do not have to take the weight of the race on their shoulders so uh it was a pretty good day for Jumbo Visma today and not a good day at all for UAE um, yeah, and so I'm guessing Bora is going to bury themselves to hold on to this as long as they can well you know I think I think Jay Hindley came into the tour as a real contender you know I mean isn't a uh, winner of the Giro, podium in the Giro also, and, and and a bunch of other races, was in good shape in Dauphiné. He he definitely came into this Tour de France with podium ambition. So they're not going to do do just anything, uh, but he could hold on to. That. I mean, he could ho- hold on to that jersey for a for a while, or or at least he's going to stay up there. From now on, Jay Hindley is going to be first, second, or third in GC. He's not going to go any any lower than that. I think. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that uh, came up on the move earlier today is, is, you know, when we saw Jumbo go to the front, what did they see? What did they know? Maybe they got word from Jonas. He's feeling really good and wants to attack. But one of the things I pointed out on the move, it's like, like Johan sees things in the body language. Did you see anything in Pogachar prior mm-hmm. to making that move that, that made you think he was a little off? I mean, not really, not really, uh, and and probably probably Vingegaard either didn't see. And he he probably didn't see anything either. But he doesn't show uh, a lot. Neither of them show a lot on the bike. No, no, they look. They always look quite easy and comfortable on the on the bike. Um, I think personally that there's there's two things. Um, they already know from stage one. Uh, there was this steep two kilometer climb, 
uh, at the end, you know, where where Adam Yates started to make the tempo and then Vingegaard took over. No, sorry, Pogacar took over, tried to uh, drop Vingegaard. Never, ne- never was the case. But, you know, if that's the effort of Pogacar on stage one, uh, if that's his effort to attack, then they also know Adam Yates, who had been pulling, was dropped, but not much. And he was back straight away. So that's if that's the level that, that Pogacar produces, uh, they know that it's not good enough to beat Vingegaard because Vingegaard was playing with Adam Yates two weeks earlier in the Dauphiné. He was doing whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. He dropped whenever he wanted. He just never, never, never was Adam Yates even close to staying with Jonas Vingegaard or, or, you know, not with him or not even within 20, 30 seconds. So that's number one. And then I think secondly, uh, today, they, they just know what kind of output he can produce. And that, you know, if, you, if you're if you able to, I mean, today we see it in the times, right? We all see 6.9 watts per kilo over 20 minutes. But they've done this already in the past. They know this before the, before the tour. So, and they know that if you're able to do that, there's, there's nobody who can drop you. On the contrary, if somebody has a little bit of a problem, it's going to get dropped. So I think they just started this initiative going out from their own strength. Um, and, you know, and once again, you know, I mean, uh, Sepp Kuss, I mean, what, this guy is just there and whenever he has to be there, you know, let's not forget this guy did the Giro. Yeah. He, he actually, it's thanks to Sepp Kuss that Jumbo Visma and Roglic wins the Giro. Mm-hmm. Not that much time in between to recover. So they, I love, I love watching him lead up the mountain. He, <laughs> Sepp Kuss almost looks like he's looking at the scenery. He's looking at birds and trees. No, it, 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 <laughs> He's no, amazing. I know. It, it, it does. It does. It does give that impression. That's true. Oh, yeah. What a yeah. talent. And then to mentally stick on Pogacar's wheel on the descent. You know, his, yeah, work, I mean, his work was done. He didn't have yeah. to descend like that. Tell me yeah. what that does psychologically to, yeah. uh, to be followed well, like it, that. It was not just on the descent, JB. So uh, as soon as... as Jonas went, I think it was about two kilometers to go. He went, Pogacar was in trouble. Sepkus got dropped a little bit, but a tiny bit, maybe yeah. five to 10 meters from Pogacar. He came back straight away and just stayed there. So there, you know, as being Pogacar, you know that, I mean, here you see in, in the back, you know, you see you see Vingegaard uh, attacking Pogacar, and then you see Sepkus there looking at Pogacar. Um, there you know, so you have to know if I okay, if I can't drop his lead out guy in the in the mountains, then I'm 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 screwed. You know, there's no way I can get back. Yeah, and what does that say about Sepp Kuss's recovery? Mm-hmm. He, he yeah. does this massive effort on the front, and and most of the time those riders just peel off and just soft yeah. pedal home. Like they're done. Yeah, he could have. He could have, you know, and 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 maybe he should have, because they need him again tomorrow, you know, but Mm. Uh, the mental blow today is a lot more important uh, to accept for Pogacar than the time loss. You watch a lot. You you watch. I know you watch a lot more of the uh, post-race interviews and, and in various languages. 
Did we see the usual happy-go-lucky Pogacar going around congratulating everyone? Oh, yeah. no, no, no. I listened to his interview. I said it was an interview in French. Uh, I mean, on, for, for French, but it was in English. And, uh, I mean, he seemed normal. You know, he seemed, yeah. Yeah, okay, Jonas was better today. Uh, I hope I can get back and I hope I can improve. You know, I, 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 the tour is far from over. The typical, yeah. you know, declaration of, of, of a guy who was who basically lost today. Uh, and then he changed the subject straight away. He says, you know, okay, that's, but I was especially sad to learn because uh, they're racing the Giro d'Italia uh, for women mm-hmm. wow, at the same moment. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend was there and she crashed and she had a concussion. She had oh. to abandon it. Okay. And he said, you know, that's the sad part of, of my day. You know, this minute I lose to Jonas is nothing compared to the the worries I have for my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, I mean, listen, it's it's obviously it's not it's she's going to be fine. Uh, what a, Yeah. What a strange world. They, you know, they're in their hotel rooms, probably after a massage or whatever. And it's like, hi, honey, how was your day? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> really bizarre world they live listen. in. It is, it is, it is. Yeah. There's a few, there's a few uh, professions. I think Mikkel Björk, for example, the guy on UAE is married to a, a very good uh, professional bike rider who's on Movistar, uh, Emma Norsgaard. She, she's a sprinter. So there's a few couples with like, you know, like really good professional men and professional women cyclists. Oh man. And some really ugly laundry rooms with bibs hanging <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Johan, I want your thoughts on tomorrow. What uh, individuals well, need to do? Uh, I think we should, we should talk a little bit about Jay Hindley. Okay. Uh, you know, because uh, obviously as soon as you saw he was in the breakaway, we, we, we knew that he would go try to, you know, go for the stage win. I think the, the logical thing happened. He was the strongest. He dropped that uh, Austrian guy, Felix Gall, from AG2R, uh, who's a strong climber, by the way, also. Um, but, you know, the, the way he performed on the Marie Blanc and then the way he kept that difference on, in the last 16 kilometers was quite impressive. You know, I mean, Vingegaard was giving it his all and, you know, they didn't take that that much time back in the last 15K. And, uh, and here we have a guy who has, you know, prepared for the tour. You know, we haven't seen him that much this year. We actually, I mean, he hasn't won a single race since his victory in the Giro last year. Um, and then, you know, started the season was was everywhere, but just, you know, like between fifth and tenth, he was, right? Mm-hmm. And he came to a better level at the Dauphiné, which is right, you know, it, it's... If you look at Vingegaard and, and Jay Hindley and you compare... Ugachar and okay, for sure, you know, I mean, this this crash and this wrist fracture is is a really, I mean, it's, it's far from ideal. It's not good to go to the tour, but Ugachar has been firing on all cylinders from the beginning of the season, and he has beaten the best. Jay Hindley hasn't, and Vingegaard, he won his first race, true, when he started, but it was definitely not against the top competition. And in Paris-Nice, uh, he was third. You know, he, he was he was not able to follow Pogacar. He was on a good level, but not his top level. Even David Goudou was better than Pogacar in Paris-Nice. And then he came, you know, he won the Basque country. Then he went away, went to training camp, uh, reconned for sure a bunch of stages, and then went to Dauphiné, 
won that plus two or three stages and then uh you know went back to training camp back to altitude so he, he had the traditional build-up towards the tour de france so does jay hindley you know they work towards their really first big peak in the tour and and Pogacar has not done that it's completely different you know he was focusing on on the, the classics won the tour of flanders i mean amazing you know uh, somebody told me who interviewed him at the beginning of the season he said you know I really want to win the Tour of Flanders. It's more important for me than the Tour de France. This I remember year. that, yeah. I mean, we yeah. all shake our heads, right? <laughs> well, let's listen. I mean, it's only day five, right? And 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 let's not forget the guy had a surgery. He was he was not able to train for twenty days uh, on the bike. Um, so yeah, one, one of our listeners pointed out in an email that they they they've seen him shaking his wrists, you know, like having to get off the handlebars and they yeah. had had a similar injury and said that, you know, how painful that can be. Uh, so he may be still or, or re-injuring yeah, it to a degree. Imagine, imagine the vibrations all day long. It's like, I mean, those roads and some of those roads are rough, yeah. you know, in France. So, uh, he said there was of the three bones that were broken, two are healed. And, uh, and there's one that's still healing. So obviously, you know, the, the vibrations, the millions, millions, millions of vibration you have during it one day, it must, uh, you know, there's no way he, he can be pain-free. You know, he yeah. he's obviously going to be good enough to, to have full power, but it's another aspect of your body that is uncomfortable. It takes away energy that you normally should use for going up the mountains. Yeah. Uh, it's not rough for science. Going back to uh, Jay Hindley's season, and it seems like he's just timed it to perfection to peak for this. Not as active as Pogacar, as you said. It, it reminds me of something like, didn't back in the day, maybe you and Lance, but Lance take some criticism for their tour focus. You know, that because yeah. that was that you guys always worked to have him. He wasn't out doing all these things in the early spring. Everything mm -hmm. was focused on one peak for the whole season. Yeah. 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 I mean, normally he came, he came toward, no, usually what happened was he went, he always wanted to test him in Amstel race. So he wanted to be in front, uh, want to try to win. Not, he was not a hundred percent, but he was a few times close. A few times he was second, but that was like his first own condition test. And then from there on after Amstel gold race, we usually started our tour the straight away. Sometimes even the night of Amstel Gold Race, we went to start the recon of, of the tour stages. Uh, he, he did win some other races. He won Dauphiné, he won Tour of Switzerland, he won Midi Libre back then. I mean, he won, he won a few a few uh, races before the, before some of the tours. Uh, but it's clear that we did focus completely on the Tour de France. Everything was in function of the tour. Uh, nowadays that's different, but Jay Hindley, I mean, we haven't, I mean, he's a great rider, uh, but somebody who hasn't paid really close attention to cycling will say, hmm, Jay Hindley, what's he doing in the yellow Jersey? We haven't mm -hmm. seen much of him, you know, it's only the real cycling fans who know that he was top 10 in this race, top 10 in tour of Catalonia, fourth in Dauphiné. Uh, the main public doesn't know that. So it may come as a surprise uh, to the people within cycling. It doesn't. 
Uh, anything else on, on Jay Henley before we, uh, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some pictures, uh, you know, it's, it's also, it's not a guy who comes out of nowhere. You know, he was already top of the world in the under 23 category, one stages in the Giro d'Italia under, under 23, one stages in Tour de l'Avenir under 23. So, I mean, he was one of the top climbers already before he turned pro. Um, and, you know, he's just yeah, evolving slowly, more slowly and more quietly than some, but he's a damn good bike rider, really good climber. I've got to look up his age, 27 years old. <laughs> so he's not super young. Yeah. But that's, you know, uh, historically, that's when a lot of riders come into their Grand Tour Prime, yeah. right? Right about that age, right? How old is Vingigo? Uh, you must be 26, 27, 26. He is. He's 26. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So very close on that. That yeah. category. Okay. Now tomorrow, um, it's the tourmalay and then, and you obviously know that very well. What, what, what do you predict? What should we see? What's going to happen with UAE? What's going to happen with Jumbo? What's going to happen with Bora? Well, obviously UAE, they will, they, they're done. They're done pulling. They just have to regroup, you know, think things through. And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what kind of decisions are made there or who makes the decisions, but normally you would say, okay, you know, tomorrow, it's just, we just need to focus on getting ourselves back together. The focus of UAE and of uh, Pogacar should be normally try to stick to Vingegaard and not lose time. That's the goal. Definitely not try to things turn around and attack to recuperate time. That's not for tomorrow. Mm. That's for later down the road. Um, so... That's what I expect. It's very easy to want to react and send a message right back, you know? Yeah, but, but it's not, not wise. <laughs> there is no way that tomorrow Pogacar can drop Jonas Vingegaard unless he has a complete off day or he has a problem or he's sick. Or, but normally with what I've seen on, on Col de Marie Blanc, no. It, I would rather expect something the other way around. Um, tomorrow is a hard stage, you know, Tourmalet. First they do the Col d'Aspin, I think. Um, and then they do the Tourmalet. A beast of a climb, you know, on, on, on the difficult side over La, on La Mongie, which, uh, you know, the, the beginning already is, is, is quite uphill. And then all of a sudden you have steep, steep and 10, 10% and more to the tunnels. And then once you get to La Mongie, you get that altitude, and and it's even it's it's even harder. Quite a difficult technical downhill, but then there's quite a bit of uh, valley to the next climb. The last climb, it's it may not it may not be uh, a famous climb. Um, Cotere is in, uh, the first in the first the first climb where we we saw for the first time Miguel Indurain. He had not won the tour yet. It was in 1989, Miguel Indurain won a Tour de France, his first ever Tour de France stage there. Mm. Uh, solo solo breakaway, and, and they still were even not thinking about Miguel Indurain as a potential Tour winner. Tall guy, quite big, strong, but, you know, 
Uh, he was yet to be proven then. So they let him go, huh? Well, yeah, but you know, you still have to get over those climbs and make it to the finish. Right. Right. Uh, and, and it's, you know, the last part of that climb is pretty steep. Uh, it's, it's overall, it's not that steep, but there's three, four kilometers at the end that are nine, 10, 11%. So again, ideal for another attack of, uh, of, of Jonas Vingegaard. I would, I would, I'd rather expect something like that, that, that Vingegaard says, okay, you know what? He's, he's in the ropes. Let's just, you know, just let's just try to add another minute. Yeah, Get that buffer. Well, another, another whatever, another time plus another physical, another mental blow. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's what I expect. Um, probably breakaway has a chance. Um, you know, it's 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 a real mountain stage, and uh, Bora will definitely just defend the jersey. They won't they won't try to keep the break close for the stage win and it, it just depends on on Jimbo Visma what they want to do you know if, if Jimbo Visma says okay you know what we are the strongest team Vingegaard is amazing that's a that's a potential scenario we know he, he's going to drop everybody plus he can get you know the bonus seconds at the finish then you know that's that's also a possibility hmm. tomorrow for sure the, to be in the breakaway it's different you need to be a good climber yeah. And, uh, and so it's, you know, it's only stage six and we are already in these big, big, big Pyrenee climbs. It's, it sounds a bit strange, you know, after tomorrow, there's still 15 stages to go and <laughs> no. we're going to be out, already out of the Pyrenees. Wow. So it's going to be an inter interesting day. I, I know you guys go deep on it, uh, on outcomes, but can you th give me, if it's a breakaway, a wild card climber who could win tomorrow? Hmm. I know. I, I know you guys go very deep on that. On out, I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> but uh, Thibaut Pinot, Thibaut Pinot could be in his final season in France. Yeah, we're going to see yeah. him at some point go for a, a win. That's a good call. Yeah, All right. He's not. He's not in top shape, but he's not bad. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, let's jump into our Ventum uh, Tour trivia of the day. Uh, just uh, answer these questions via email, and you'll go in the drawing to win a brand new Ventum NS1, the complete bike. So yesterday's answer or to the question was, uh, where was George born? <laughs> where was George Hincapie born? The answer was uh, Queens, New York. Queens, mm -hmm. New York City. Today's question, and I'll give you the email after so you can enter in the drawing, I'm sure you saw the movie Dodgeball, right, Johan? Did you see that? Where Lance had a, okay, it's a great, still a great movie. Uh, what was Vince Vaughn drinking in Lance Armstrong's cameo in the movie Dodgeball? <laughs> remember the? I know that's a real. It's a. It's it's all over YouTube. If you want to go look it up, it's. Pretty he easy not, to find. Is, is he is he not checking it into a hotel and the guy wants to quit or something? And I think they were at, at an airport bar. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an airport, airport bar. bar. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny to see how young Lance looks there and his voice sounds really high pitch. It sounds, <laughs> he looks like a kid. And we figured out he was oh. like 33 at the time. It was after oh, the he fifth, was, fifth. He was, uh, what was he, what was he saying to the, to the guy? Well, he wanted to quit. The uh, guy yeah, yeah, that yeah. didn't want to, and, uh, and Lance was a fan of the, cause the dodgeball show was, the game was so big on television. Oh, so the question is, what was he drinking? What was he drinking? 
It's, it's, it's a hilarious clip to watch again. It's really funny. It's very, very funny. So send your answer in to trivia at VentumRacing.com and you'll be entered into that drawing. A couple of questions. All right. Uh, this comes from Daniel. Coming from a cycling, cycling family in South Africa, I always look out for South Africans and Africans in the Peloton. Minkes, Girmay, Impy, Hunter, Froome. Yes, we claim him. He he's schooled was schooled in South Africa. So curious to hear from Johan whether yeah, mentions, mentions is South African, mentions, right? Yeah. That's something I never understand. You know, it's 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 Louis Menches. And some people say Minkies or something like I kind of said it that way, Minkis. No, but they say it on TV also. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I checked it with some somebody from South Africa and said, no, that's Menches. <laughs> Minkis, whatever, whatever. Uh, Daniel goes on, curious to hear from Johan whether he knew any good South African cyclist of his era that uh, could compete on the international level. Some Googling, mm -hmm. and I see Johan even raced in South Africa a bit. I did. And then he says, P.S., Johan can probably understand some Africans, so add another language to his list. That's from Daniel. I understand Afrikaans. Oh, okay. Who did you race with? Who did you remember? It's very similar to uh, Flemish. Flemish and oh. Dutch. It's very similar. Afrikaans. Buy a lekker. By Elekker. It's, it's very good. Very, very nice. <laughs> um, well, I mean, one guy I remember I raced with um, was uh, Willie Engelbrecht. Um, I think he must be my age, maybe a little, maybe one year older, two years older. Uh, I do remember him because he, he won a lot of races. He was fast and he won a lot of races over there, but he also won races in Europe. Uh, and he raced, he actually raced for on the same team as. Uh, Greg Lamont when he won his uh, was it no not his last tour the two, his second tour when he won the tour in eighty nine on ADR Willie Engelbrecht was was on that team there was another guy called Alan Walter who was uh, also a European professional I remember him um, and then yeah I mean we had Robbie Hunter on the team for example. Uh, for a year or two years, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, these guys from my, my my era, those are those are the guys I remember. And do you have any uh, any uh, fond memories of racing there? I was it was good. I mean, it was. Uh, I do have a very funny story actually. Uh, you know, I had raced there. Uh, there was a race at the end of the season. Always called the Boland Bank Tour. Uh, Boland Bank was a, just a brand of a, a bank, so they organized the race. It's not easy racing there; it's it's quite it's quite hilly. Um, and uh, I had gone there one year, and we had kind of made a mixed team, you know, like you know, like professionals from different teams that raced together, like six guys. We raced together on one team, and the year after, um, I went there with uh, the Onse team. With, you know, it wasn't, I think it was 95. So we came off having an incredible season. We had, you know, been second. That was the year I took the, the I had the, the jersey in the tour. I finished, uh, I finished third in the Vuelta uh, after the tour. And so for, for the end of the season, we went with Onse to that race. Uh, and um, 
we said, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we, of course we did, we hadn't trained that much. We were not in great shape, but you know, still okay to race over there. So we thought, so we thought, you know, and there was one guy of the team who hadn't raced so much during the year. And he was really in good shape still at the end of the season and said, okay, we're going to race for him and we're going to win this thing here. And uh, man, there was a few guys there that they would, they were so strong, you know, and uh, it, it all came down to the last stage to us, to the sprint. <laughs> and uh, we even, you know, T-Mobile was there too, actually, T-Mobile. Uh, and they also were there. This was like a, like a race, but then, extended holidays you know then we went on safari and uh, so t-mobile was there also in the same mood you know and uh so the last stage this guy on our team he needed to be top three and get the bonus to win and we even made a deal i mean i can say it now it's too so long ago is the you know, <laughs> statute of limitation has passed these are we the stories that people love go on <laughs> we, we even made an agreement with with Ponce and T-Mobile to race together the last stage to have this our guy be in the top three, you know, and he was he was not in the top three and a, a, a South African guy won. And actually that guy who won, who was super strong, is now the manager. He was the manager of uh, Team Kubeka, Team MTN, uh, Team, what was it, NTT afterwards, Dimension Data. And now the, that uh, that new uh, Swiss Italian team Q thirty six point five, Douglas Ryder uh, won won that that stage race, and we were there with T Mobile and Olsen. We could not beat him. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, one more question. This is more of a comment here, but again, it's about the languages. Uh, it says, "Hi JB, why doesn't Johan do a podcast in French?" He does one in Spanish and English. Why not French? I, I've heard Johan speak French quite well, I'm, I might add. So I hope he starts doing one soon. That's Tim, yeah, well, Tim in Montreal. Okay, Tim in Montreal. I mean, obviously you're <laughs> from Quebec, so uh, <laughs> French-speaking Canadian. Um, now, you know, I, it's it's it's. If you would see how we have, I mean, you know it, Jimmy. If you would see how we have to squeeze everything after the stages. Uh, for me to be finished by midnight every day, uh, another, another, another podcast would definitely not fit, you know, I mean, maybe in the future when, you know, when, or, or maybe, uh, you know, one midweek or something and one in the weekend during mm -hmm. the Tour de France could be, could be, uh, an option. Um, I do think, however, that, you know, there's enough, there's a lot of people who in France who, who understand English, uh. Uh, or Spanish. So, you know, for the moment, I have to say uh, that they should learn English if you, if they want to listen to me. <laughs> there's not, there's not enough time. There's not enough time. I know there's not enough day, not day, hours in the day. Right. But if you were going to do a French show, who would be your co-host? Well, it's, you know, I, I actually have been talking to someone about this already. We have played with the idea. So, um, I mean, he's, uh, he's an ex cyclist, ex professional cyclist. Uh, he's a commentator now on, on Eurosport. Uh, and so if I ever, uh, would consider the, the idea, if we would do it, it would be with him. I'm not gonna name his name now because he's, he has another job. And, oh, uh, gotcha. We have had the talks. We have had the talks and I would definitely like to do it with him because I, I like the way he, 
he looks at the races and 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 analyzes the races. Yeah, or maybe maybe you throw it in for s- some of the um, like Dauphiné a recap. Yeah, you know I know, but you know people <laughs> want to know about the tour, JB. I know the tour. I know it it rains king. I know <laughs> there's just there's no time for us. It's just, no. just we're going, uh, going, going. Do one in the morning. That would be another. <laughs> in the morning, in the morning, we can talk about the stage of the day before. That would be a possibility. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's you know uh, the guys over here in, in Europe. He's French. He's French, so we could do that. Uh, I, hey, I'm in no way trying to obligate you to to more work at this point because <laughs> it's and literally then, then the next thing is going to be uh, in, in German. You know, yeah. In, German fans. And, and then and then <laughs> the Flemish people are going to be angry because well, you know, he doesn't do one in Flemish. Oh, my gosh. Never ends. Hey, if you want to send us an email for specifically for Johan, please do. Uh, we appreciate you guys chiming in on the show. It's JB2. So JB squared, the name that you guys gave us at we do.team. Okay. JB2 at we do.team. Send your emails. All right. It's going to be fun. It was a great day today. Exciting tour. Back tomorrow, climbing again, and we will talk after that tomorrow, Johan. Okay, Jimmy. Thanks. Speak tomorrow.